welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. You know what it is. It's Thursday morning. We're here. It's the Locks Gang. We got these locks. You want these locks. Come get these locks. Gentlemen, Tom Fernelli, Barton Simmons, how are we feeling? We're good. Good. How can we How can we be feeling bad? I know. You're, you know, just basking in the glow of last week. You know, it's the, uh, uh, you know, throw on the, the proud uh, Vince McMahon marching gift. Uh, after last week, rock walking in the building. What was the final count? We were eighteen and five. Eighteen and five, powered by the our, our fearless leader. Eight and zero. We're back. We're all above uh, five hundred right now. Um, I mean, let's just. I, I normally try to limit us to uh, only a couple minutes of recap, just to let everyone know where our heads at. But we got to dive right into this. Okay, so. Uh, the Lock Unity, U-N-N-T-Y. Lock Unity hit with Oregon plus three and a half, and boy, that was a sweat, gentlemen. No, that was in the bag the whole time. <laughs> Never a doubt. When we, were, when we were staring down, uh, what was it, rooting, like... Rooting for Washington to get a field goal to win, but not a touchdown, but then end up getting it in overtime with the Oregon win. I mean, just anytime you're taking three and a half to overtime, it's going to be a sweat. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. It, 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 like you said, it puts you in that strange situation of rooting against the team you picked. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to be honest. I may have screwed our mojo a little bit because I was rooting for a missed field goal there because I had picked Oregon to win outright in enough places where <laughs> I, I, I really wasn't satisfied with just a cover. So sorry about that. Wow. I can't believe you would just go against Lock Unity like that. <laughs> what does Lock Unity even mean now? Um, let's see. So I then in a lock fight, I took the dub on LSU plus seven and a half. Uh, that would be Tom taking a loss. How'd that feel, Tom? Uh, it felt fine because it was never really close. You never really sweating it. Yeah. Once it's like I knew by the end of the first quarter, it wasn't going to hit. So you move on, get around with the rest of your day. Our menage lock also hit. As uh, Virginia plus six and a half, and as we mentioned, that was a straight up win. We we were all over the heads gonna roll weekend. Uh, Virginia plus six and a half is a winner that cashed for Chip and Barton, and Tom also got the under forty seven and a half for Miami Virginia. Um, all right, so Tom, you also had Wisconsin plus eight and a half. I like I uh, whoops, I liked your logic, but this ain't your father's Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> Buffalo minus eleven. Buffalo continues to to be a big time money maker. So uh I don't know how much longer that's gonna run, but that they've popped up a lot on our cards. Um under fifty and a half for Temple Navy, shout out to Service Academy Unders. ULM plus six and a half. I did not watch this game. How close was it? It wasn't. ULM crushed them. Sick. 
That was Coastal Carolina, right? Yep. And they then why out, they jumped out to like a 14 nothing lead and then it was just coasting from there. Uh and then Wyoming plus 18, that was a loss. Are we done betting on Wyoming? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> All right. Uh 5 and 3 for the week, net 2 for the week. Uh 28 and 23 plus 5 for the season. Barton's week. Woo! A lot of W's up here. As we mentioned, Oregon plus three and a half. Nebraska plus four. While Nebraska fans had their hearts ripped out of their chest, Barton was at least able to celebrate a cover here. Are you going to go back to the Nebraska well this week? Uh, we shall see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Virginia plus six and a half was a win, as we mentioned. Florida minus seven. Hey. Uh, didn't always look this way, but once, uh, Derek Mason and Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen were all yapping at each other, Florida came out and started putting it on them. Uh, the Gators pull away with the win and a cover. Gotta, gotta be honest. I woke up in Nashville on Saturday morning. It was cold. It was chilly. That kickoff was 11 a.m. And I was like, I am on the wrong side of this one. <laughs> <laughs> but Florida woke up at some point and got it going. Uh, West Virginia minus six and a half. Yikes. Barton, you already went in on this West Virginia team earlier this my, week on the podcast. That was my dumb, dumb bet of the week. Uh, and then over 60 and a half in Boise, Nevada. How close that did we get there? That was a bad beat. I, I didn't realize how bad a beat it was until – because I did not. You're right. I didn't stay up to watch it. Uh, but I, I looked at the box score and the, the play-by-play – uh, it was it, that that number was at fifty eight heading into the fourth quarter, scoreless fourth quarter highlighted by one like eight and a half minute drive by Boise State that ended up, ended with the turnover on downs. Yep. Yeah, it was not, just not a, not pretty. Uh, I, was, I was paying attention to that one for you, and I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Texas A and M minus two and a half. That's a dub. Better team. Right? Yeah. Just a better team. Um, Then, Chips card. Oregon plus three. Oh, that's uh, five and two for the week, plus three for the week, 24 and 21, plus three for the season. All right. Go on and start peacocking, Chip. Oregon plus three and a half was the dub. LSU plus seven and a half. Virginia plus six and a half. The under under 47 and a half in Miami, Virginia. All cashing. The over 48 and a half for Wisconsin, Michigan, cashed. Minnesota plus 29 and a half, too many doggone points. The under 57 and a half for UNC Virginia Tech. Uh boy, that was that was the right side on that one. That game ended up being what, 21-19? Something like that. Something like yeah. that. Virginia scoring at the very, very end uh to win that game. And then Texas AM minus two and a half. Gentlemen, that is eight and zero for week seven, uh, plus eight on the week. Brings me to the other side, the good place. Twenty six and twenty three, plus three on the season. And then Barton, I'm looking in the dock right now. Is that our combined? Right yeah, here. Com- yeah, combined, we're batting fifty three percent. Hey, you know? there we go. Is fifty three uh, profitable yet, or is it fifty five that's profitable? It's profitable, but you know it's it could be a little bit better there. You're not making much, put it that way. Right now, if assuming standard juice, 
you'd be up 3.9 units. Hey, that's positive. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. I, if you bet a million dollars each, we've made you 3.9 million so far. Hey, think of it that way. Think of it that. Think of it that way. Don't bet a million dollars each, please. Get get your units up. You won't make that money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Is what's our what's our pacing looking like? How how many logs is everybody bringing to the table today? I have seven for sure, and then there's an eighth that I don't know if I'm going to lock it up, but I'll probably bring it up in case something happens because I'm kind of waiting for the line to make a move before I want to lock it up. What about you, I got, I got I got six with a couple of just sort of temptations out there. Ooh, nice. All right, well then uh, let's get into it. Y'all ready? Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. These locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right. Uh, I guess I, I guess I get things started here and I'm going to uh, start with a, a pick that we teased earlier on the week on the podcast and one that I I've received some late information that makes me a little bit nervous, but I think I got to stick with it. We're going down to death Valley, the battle of two unbeaten ACC Atlantic teams, NC state plus 17 and a half is my lock. I have cashed in on NC State a couple times this season, but that's not what has me coming here. It's all about series history, where last season, NC State led in the third quarter, and it required a big-time comeback, a couple long runs from Tavian Feaster to be able to get a seven-point win uh, in Carter-Finley Stadium. The year before, the year that Clemson won the national championship, NC State had a 30-yard field goal to win the game at the end of regulation, missed the field goal, ended up losing in overtime by one touchdown to Deshaun Watson and company. Uh, The year before, it was a 14-point Clemson win, but it was a high-scoring shootout, like 56-41. And so I am uh, a little bit nervous because this number is so high, and all of the recent history in this series suggests that this is going to be a 7-10 point game. So I'm just hoping that maybe it's a, you know, people are excited about Trevor Lawrence coming off the bye or, you know, Vegas is infatuated with uh, all of Clemson's offensive firepower against an NC State secondary that where they probably have a disadvantage in this matchup. But I, I think Ryan Finley gets me at least, you know, 17, 21 points. And I think Clemson probably wins this game like, 31 21 something like that and i just i can't i can't see nc state getting blown out of the water uh in this game so i'm locking up the wolf pack plus 17 in a hook yeah i i i, I hate this i hate this line because I, I i agree with you i i mean i'm i'll just go ahead and and throw it out there i'm i'm we're in lock agreement Ooh, uh, nice and and yet, like I'm very nervous about this one because that's just too big of a number. That's a Vegas knows something number. I would feel better about taking NC State in the points if it was NC State plus like 13 and a half. Like as weird as that sounds, it just feels like Vegas knows something here. But it, when you look at the matchup, I mean, where NC State is good are the areas you kind of have to be good to to beat Clemson. I mean, they they've got a 
very capable pass game. Um, and and that's sort of where and, and and I think Clemson's team this year is when you look at their schedule, you look at who they've played. Uh, they're all run game run teams. Um, you know, the only team that can really throw the ball effectively is is Texas A&M. You can you can maybe throw Wake in there, but Texas A&M is really the only team that can, can can really throw the ball around the yard, and that's the team that almost beat them. Uh, you look at. What 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 NC State has built up front in the defensive front seven, in the offensive line, uh, they're guys that can can go up and 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 I think hold their own against Clemson's really talented offensive line and defensive front. So I I agree with you in, in the serious history. I also like the 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 composition of this NC, this NC State team to keep it close. Um, I just don't understand why it's so big, which which makes me very nervous. So I'm a I'm a reluctant NC State plus seventeen and a half, just too big of a number for me to stay away from. Too many doggone points. All right, so here's what makes me nervous. What if NC State still being undefeated is like it, it makes me nervous to think that NC State might be getting overvalued by a public Joe. And yet it's still at 17 and a half, right? Yeah, I, this isn't a lock for me, so it's not a lock fight, but my sports line pick, I actually have it on sports line this week. I have Clemson minus 16 and a half. So it's different spread than what you guys are getting it at now. And 17 and a half, I like a lot more for NC state than I, you know, would for Clemson. But I just think, that honestly, I, I know NC State's undefeated and it's ranked, but if you look at who it's played, it's, you know, I kind of wish we could have seen NC State get West Virginia. I wish that game hadn't been canceled because I think we would have a much better idea. Like, we would have had a much better idea about West Virginia going into last week, and I think we'd have a much clearer picture of NC State going into this week. I just think that Clemson's a lot better and that NC State's kind of taken advantage of a schedule to this point. I don't, I mean, I think Virginia and Boston college are good wins. I do too, but I don't think they're go into death Valley and really compete with Clemson, especially if Trevor Lawrence is healthy. Yeah. I mean, there's, but I, I mean, what, what, what win on Clemson's schedule really looks like, like that's is that kind of team. I mean, wake 63 to three is about it. Right? Yeah, yeah, but again, at the same time, though, it's still Clemson. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's they have it. They've they kind of. It's true. I, I always get kind of scared of them in these kind of spreads because they do tend to not blow teams away when they should blow teams away, and I think that could work to the NC State's favor. But at the same time, their only real blowout win was Wake Forest, but that was also their last game, and I feel I mean, like you. Maybe making the switch from Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence has pushed this offense in a direction where it's going to be able to do such things on a regular basis. Yeah, now maybe for sure. But but do y'all remember when I picked Clemson minus the eighteen against Wake, and y'all were both like, "Whoop, that's a lot of points. Like that's a scary number there. That's a lot of points." And now we're gonna and and well, they they covered it. They blew it out. They, I mean, they took care of business. So I mean, maybe you maybe. Maybe I was right, but maybe y'all were right. You know, maybe oh. this is not a Clemson team that's proven that we can trust to to cover that kind of a number. 
Stanford. What I mentioned with that pick was that if the number got to 20 to stay away, because Clemson as a 20-point favorite or more is awful against the spread. And while those statistics... Well, I was just going to say, while those statistics, like 20, you know, 20 is kind of like our, our wind mile per hour. Like, yeah, I understand that there is a breaking point, but I think that it is also indicative and reflective of a Clemson team that has shown the propensity to try to win a ball. Like, they just, they, they just try, they don't try to go and kick the tar out of people. And by the way, for better or worse, Chip, uh, I don't know whether this makes us feel better or not, but I'll, I'll take the number. I mean, it's it's up to 18 now in, in most places. Oh, so uh, I saw this one floated out. I think it came from uh, the Bayer on him and Stanford Steve's podcast. Apparently, the uh, against the spread cover number of a undefeated team that is a double-digit underdog is like, oh, out of its last eight. Yeah, I heard that too. Not excited about that, yeah. but I listen. But, if if you strip like, if you strip away everything else, the records, the perceptions, or anything else, I think that the personnel, the human beings, the football players on that NC State team should be able to stay within seventeen points of Clemson. That is my belief. By the way, seventy-one percent of the bets have been on NC State. Crap. And so we're reverse line moving it too. Yeah. Again, I'm know. not locking it up, so I'm not oh, yeah, we are. confident yep. in it. But I just, hey man, this is listen. Sometimes the Joes are right. I, I was on, you know, maybe Florida was the wrong play last week, but Florida was the square play, and Florida was ended up being the right play. You know, sometimes you just gotta, sometimes you gotta just go with your. You know your instinct here. So, yeah, let's roll maybe with it, man. Can, maybe we can all middle it because I got it at sixteen and a half. You guys have it at eighteen, so maybe Clemson wins by seventeen. We'll just pop <laughs> champagne on next week's episode <laughs> if that's the case. Um, all right, Tom, what you got? Uh, my first lock of the week is my actual lock of the week in the six pack. I'm taking Memphis plus ten at Missouri. Uh. I just this this line's too big to be quite honest with you. Memphis has one of the most efficient and explosive offenses in the country, and the Mizzou defense is ranked. Let's see, one hundredth in the nation in points allowed per play. The Mizzou defense has not been good at all this year. The Memphis offense is very good. Now, the one thing that concerns me is that Memphis really kind of sets the tone on offense by running the ball with Daryl Henderson. And Missouri's defense has been much better against the run than it has been the past. But I still think Memphis will be able to move the ball and score against Missouri's secondary because just because Memphis has been a really strong running team doesn't mean they haven't been able to pass this year. And also, if you look at Mizzou right now, that offense looked bad against Alabama, clearly. But everybody's going to look bad against Alabama. But overall... You know they've they've lost two starters to at, at the receiving course. So they've got a very young receiving core right now. They've, I think Jalen Knox is probably their number one guy right now, and he's he's a freshman, so it's not exactly reliable at this point. And just overall, 
while Mizzou looked bad on offense against Alabama last week, it hasn't really looked good on offense at any point this year as it actually ranks 68th in the country in points per play, which is, you know, pretty much just exactly middle of the pack, which isn't what you think about when you think of Mizzou because you think of a team that puts up points, but it's done so very inefficiently. And while Memphis's defense isn't nearly as good as the SEC defenses, it's going to be facing on a weekly basis. I just think that this game is going to be more of a track meet than anything that kind of comes down to whoever has the ball last is probably going to win. And if you want to give me 10 points in that situation, I'll take them. Daryl Henderson. What's, what's Missouri's run defense looking like right now? It's it's I, I don't know that. Let me look real quick. It's not bad, but it's not, you know, they're they're not elite. Put it that way. They're not. They're not going to take a Memphis offense that has had a lot of success and all of a sudden bottle it up to nothing. Correct. I mean, I don't think Daryl Henderson is going to be averaging ten yards a carry against no. them like he has uh, been on the season. But Missouri's run defense is looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, they're giving up three point five yards a carry. Mm. All right, twenty second in the country in marginal uh, efficiency. Second in the country and rushing marginal explosiveness. Someone's got a stat profile pulled, pulled up. <laughs> Shout out to Bill Connolly. Uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Memphis Memphis plus 10, Tom's lock. All right, back to you, Barton. All right. Um, I'm going to go with... All right, this, this game really interests me here. So, Ohio State's going to Purdue. And look, I'll be honest here. I'll just I'll just throw this out here up front. Like I think Purdue could win this game. I I, I don't know if that's a crazy thing or if that's a if, if that's if I'm the only person saying that or if I'm p- part of a a, a a movement that's saying that or not. But I think Purdue could win this game. And and here's part of the re- the reason that I'm I'm drawn to this is you look at this number. It's you know Purdue's three and three. Um, you know, they're 13 point dogs, Ohio state's the number two team in the country, yada, yada, yada. Like it just, it's, it appear like on surface, you would think this is a blowout. Um, but when you look at their numbers, yards per play defensively produce 81st in the country, you know, not great. Ohio state's 75th. Mm. Like, you know, that's, that's a, I mean, that, that, they're giving up a lot of points, or a lot of yardage at least. And, and I mean, even Minnesota was getting big plays and chunks in the pass game. Everyone's getting big plays and chunks in the pass game. All right, now you look over at yards per play on offense. Ohio State's 13th in the country, yards per play on offense. Purdue's 12th. And, and when you look at who they've played, it's not as if Purdue's playing a bunch of slappies and Ohio State's playing a bunch of juggernauts. Like, the, the schedule in terms of like strength of schedule isn't that different. And and I'm not so I, I you know, all this to say, I mean, I, I understand I could we could and, and you know, they come out of this thing and, and this pick could I mean, Ohio State's capable of blowing out anybody. And so maybe this ends up looking bad. But I, I think when you got Ohio State going to Purdue at night against Jeff Brom, who's I think one of the better offensive minds, offensive play callers out there, I think you'll have a great game plan put together. There'll be a lot of energy there. I think that there's big plays to be had, and you know maybe the over is a play too. But 
I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Purdue to cover. And I just sort of have a hunch that Ohio State's got a loss in them somewhere. Maybe that loss isn't until Michigan. But if it, if it comes before Michigan, this is probably as, as likely a spot as any, honestly. Um, and, you know, they, maybe, they, maybe they lose this game and still go beat Michigan, still go win the Big Ten Championship and still go to the playoffs. I don't know. But I, I just think Ohio State is, 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 is not this unbeatable juggernaut and they're showing some vulnerability on defense and that's vulnerability Purdue can take advantage of. So give me Purdue plus the points. Lock agreement. All right. I, I'm nervous about <clears> – <throat> I don't think Purdue's going to win the game. I am nervous about uh, losing this cover on like a pick six or, uh, yep. so, you know, seven-point game. Purdue is marching. Home crowd's going crazy. And then Dramont Jones picks up a fumble, runs it all the way back for a touchdown. Like – Absolutely. Yeah, yep. that's that's kind of where where my fear is. But everything else, I'm right there with you. I think that Jeff Brom is going to have this team very ready for this game. I think it's going to be unbelievably entertaining. Like no one in Ohio State, like Ohio State's defense, particularly in the back seven, is not ready for Rondale Moore. They are going to run some plays to put him in space that he's going to spring for a big touchdown. I don't. I don't quite have a feel for whether or not this is going to be a track meet or just a, a really competitive and fun, you know, game that's decided in the in the high twenties. But I definitely don't see. I don't have enough confidence in this Ohio State team to go and blow the doors off Purdue. And I think highly enough about Purdue to think that I like them. I would love it at fourteen and a half. I would feel so much better at fourteen and a half. But at thirteen, based on principle, I'm still going to take it. Uh, I mean, at 13 and a half, I like Ohio state better team. Uh, yeah. It's not even that so much as it's yes. Purdue's offense is pretty good, but it's defense is not. And I just, I don't see Purdue stopping Ohio state nearly enough. And I think that Ohio state's going to have, going to be able to stop Purdue a few times because Purdue can throw the ball, but it's not a very good run team. And I feel like if you put Purdue in a situation where it's got to rely on the pass and Ohio State's just going to be able to, you know, rush the passer, they're going to be able to create a little more havoc in the backfield than Purdue will be able to create against that Ohio State offensive line. And particularly with Dwayne Haskins, who their Ohio State's approach, Haskins can throw downfield, but they've been doing a lot of short, quick game type stuff on offense. And I don't, I think at some point they're going to be able to exploit teams downfield, but they haven't had to at this point for the most part. And I just, I think Purdue on third down has been very good. And I think if you look at its third down conversion rate defensively, it's been, I think it was the best in the Big Ten. I looked at, I had, I had write the picks post for this game at CBS. So I was looking all this stuff up yesterday. It's just, it has, I have a hard time imagining Purdue getting Ohio State in a lot of third and long situations, particularly because on standard downs, they have no pass rush, period. They're one of the worst teams in the country at getting, you know, pressure on a quarterback on first and second down. And I don't think that they're going to put Ohio State in enough third and long positions to where I feel comfortable with them covering 13 and a half. Now, like you said, Chip, if it got to 14 or 14 and a half, I'd be a lot more comfortable with Purdue, but I just at the where the spread is now, I have to go with Ohio State. 
This feels like to me the equivalent of last year or last week picking Virginia over Miami. Yeah, six and a half. Like I would have liked it to, to be eight or seven and a half. I would have felt confident there, but it was still too tasty not to play a six and a half. This is, I think, thirteen is sort of the equivalent in this spot. And keep in mind here, this is going to be Ohio State's second road game. Every other game they played has been either at home or in a neutral site against TCU, which is basically a home field at any Ohio State game. This is going to be their second road game. And, I, and, I, and so I, I am counting on Purdue's fan base here a little bit to, to provide some noise, to make some – because when you look back at the Penn State game, that was one of the real issues Penn State had, was communicating at the line of scrimmage offensively. They had those issues in the first half. They had to really kind of scrap some things at halftime to give themselves a better chance. You know, if, 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 if they don't do a little bit of a better job of handling a hostile environment, that could give Purdue a little bit of an edge here as well. This is the ABC primetime game, so there will definitely be an atmosphere. And I just, regardless of the pick, I will say that Purdue Stadium at night looks awesome on TV. I just love the way the field's lit. Field lit. <laughs> um, all right, Tom, back to you. Uh, my next pick, I am going with Mississippi State plus six and a half at LSU. I am 100 million percent guilty of underestimating LSU this year. In our season previews, I said LSU was the most overrated team in the SEC. And I got yelled at by LSU fans. Ironically enough, they were yelling at me by saying that LSU can't be overrated because everybody thinks LSU sucks, <laughs> even though LSU was ranked in the preseason poll at the time. Now they're yelling at me for calling them overrated because they're clearly not overrated. Anyway, I just think that while it's a very good team, I do think that they're a little overvalued coming off that huge win against Georgia last week. Because if you look at this matchup with Mississippi State, LSU's got a great defense. Mississippi State's defense is actually better than LSU's in a, a lot of key areas. It gives up fewer points per play, fewer yards per play. It has a much higher sack rate. It averages more tackles per loss per game. And it's much better at third down defense getting off the field. So I look at this matchup and I expect it to be somewhat lower scoring because I definitely think LSU is going to be able to limit what Nick Fitzgerald and the Mississippi State offense is capable of doing. I just think Mississippi State's defense will be able to do the exact same thing to Joe Burrow and LSU. But I'm not as comfortable taking the under simply because at 44, I feel like that's probably about right. But in a lower scoring affair where I think possessions will be limited, Mississippi State getting six and a half. I think that this is like an LSU 24, Mississippi State 20 kind of game. So I'm going to take the six and a half points with the Bulldogs. Um, I don't think I'm going to play this game, but I, I do like your side, Tom. This is, you know, part of my concern here, and I, and I, and I don't enjoy being on the opposite side of LSU because I, I don't want to be an LSU hater. I, I like this LSU team. I think they're good. And yet, SEC's hard. And LSU, this is going to be the third consecutive week of a really physical, really emotionally charged game. Um, you know, they, they lose at Florida. They, they, I mean, they beat Georgia last week and, and, and kind of sell out for that one. And that was a physical game, even though they, they took care of business fairly easily. And now you got Mississippi State coming to town, which is 
uh, another really physical team. And, and I do think when you look at what Georgia was able to do, like when they had success against LSU, it was just when they were just running the ball. And, and I think they got away from it a little bit and tried to, tried to do a little too much in the past game instead of sticking to what they're finding some success with. Mississippi State, I think, has found their identity. They kind of know what they are offensively. I also think Joe Moorhead had a little bit of a wake-up call that the SEC is different than other conferences. You can't just run your stuff and expect it to work week in, week out, even if Kentucky's coming to town, uh, or you're going to Kentucky, rather. You know, I, they've, they, they've started to get a little bit more versatile, diverse in their looks they're given. I think that I, I, you know, they've got a bye week to prepare for this. I like a lot. There's a lot of reasons I like Mississippi State in this one. I'm I'm not pulling the trigger on it, but I am uh, I am behind you on that one. Miss- Mississippi State coming in off a of bye week, LSU looking ahead to a bye week with Alabama on the other side of that. It's homecoming at LSU. They just rush the field, screaming, "We want Bama!" They finally got the night game that they want. There's, there's a, there's a, if Barton, I'm with you. I don't have a play on this, but Barton, I'm with you. Like, I, I feel like LSU wins this game. I feel like LSU should win this game. And I would be disappointed if LSU does not win this game, but something that occurred to me and something that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely circling when it comes to picking LSU against the spread, particularly as a favorite LSU kicks a lot of field goals, you know? They have a lot of red zone opportunities that do not end up in touchdowns. That was the case against Auburn. That was the case against Georgia. I mean, LSU could have hung like 45 on the board if field goals were turned into touchdowns against Georgia. And I I think that that may, in a low-scoring, hard-hitting, physical Mississippi State game, if it's just going to be a bunch of field goals all around – then, yeah, six and a half is too big a number for me to think that LSU is going to cover it. I'm not locking it up, Tom, but like Barton, I I think that you're on the right side. Well, for what it's worth, um, if if you were to bet LSU on the money line in home games at night, you'd, you'd make a lot of money. But LSU against the spread at night at Tiger Stadium at home, only 23 and 29 against the spread since 2008. I'm saying there's... This there's something about that environment. Yes, it is special, but I I could see with all those different situational aspects that I just mentioned that just just going and blowing Mississippi State out ain't happening. That's what yeah, I feel confident about. I think this is like a three or four point game. Right. Either way, if 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 Mississippi State happens to pull off the upset, they're not doing it by more than four, and I feel like LSU is not winning by more than four. So six and a half feels pretty friendly all right barton back to you so we don't have lock unity we don't have lock agreement but we do have lock emotional support for you Tom. (laughs) thank you (laughs) lean on me uh all right i'm i'm i apologize for not putting this one out earlier i didn't think about this but i have a thursday night game Ooh. um so uh this evening as we recorded this morning uh Arizona State hosts the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, I am a big fan, a big believer in weeknight home dogs. And I am especially a big fan of Arizona State as a home dog 
because Arizona State is 3-0 straight up, 3-0 against the spread at home this year. Arizona State is hosting Stanford, a team that is reeling a little bit, um, a team that has is having trouble stopping the run. Arizona State is flexing its muscles lately with Eno Benjamin running the football. They also happen to have a quarterback that's very experienced and really takes care of the football in Manny Wilkins. Uh, I, I think that there's some – that Stanford is a favorite here, I think is a little bit of just giving the benefit of the doubt to a team that has been traditionally really good versus a team that is coached by Herm Edwards and we're still not sure who they are. Uh, I, think St- I think Arizona State wins this game. And I think they might just be a better team, but certainly I like them better at home. So give me Arizona State plus the two and a half. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't. I don't. I don't trust Stanford. I can't trust Stanford either way. Stanford's on my untrustworthy list. It's yeah, like they are. I mean, I don't. It depends if Bryce Love plays or is like healthy. I think has a huge impact on how this game goes. But just overall, even if he does play, Stanford's rushing offense has been very bad this year. It's just if you look even at the advanced stats, at the marginal efficiency, it ranks 119th. Explosiveness, it ranks 70th. Opportunity rate, it ranks 125th. Stuff rate, it ranks 123rd. It's been awful. Perhaps Mike Bloomgren uh, had a had a bigger hand in that rush success than maybe people realized over there. Boy, that's a good take, Barton. I've heard that before. Yep. Um. Yeah. All right. Cool. Arizona State plus two and a half. I'll take it. I'm going back to the Virginia under. Well, forty four and a half does not scare me because Duke is another one of my good ACC coastal under cashers so i'm gonna embrace the sweat duke virginia under 44 and a half this uh spread too is interesting because i guess you're looking at virginia in a letdown spot because we've got duke as a touchdown home favorite maybe even getting north of a touchdown up to eight i don't know if y'all have any feels on that but i i don't know if i'm i don't know if i would be comfortable fading virginia in a game that I think is probably decided by a field. Like this has all the makings of a 17, 16 or a 19, 16 kind of game. If you ask me like score a year, (laughs) is is that that's a good old timey joke, right? Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, it's not a lock for me, but you know, I love my who's. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely on Virginia to cover it. I'm also, if, if I have to pick a side of the total, I'd, Definitely leaning the under, and most people are as well. Oh, really? Is it popular? Yeah, it's 67% of the bets that have gone on the total around the under, but 81% of the money. So even the sharps are on the under. Yeah. It's going to be cold and rainy around here on uh, on the weekend. I just I just see that being a, a good old game decided in the teens. Give me yeah, give me that under forty four and a half. And but it's I mean fascinating game because the winner here with Duke, I mean with uh, with Miami losing to Virginia, like if Virginia were to win, Virginia is all of a sudden now potentially the front runner in the ACC Coastal, 
with a winner-take-all game against Virginia Tech at the end of the season. If Duke yeah. were to win, then it's all of a sudden in the ACC Coastal uh, picture. Miami and Virginia Tech, I think you still got to consider right there near the front, but we're we're very close to getting into that real sweet spot where we're going to have four teams tied for first with five and three conference records, and we'll be deciding tiebreakers by playing Uno. It's been too damn long since we had our Coastal. Coastal chaos. We can root for it. Um, yeah, I looked at the situation to get everybody at four and four because there is a scenario for all seven teams <laughs> to be tied at four and four. But unfortunately, I think that's going to require a Pittsburgh win that we're not going to get. Come on. Well, that's the pit win that they always get. Yeah, the one that they have no shot at. <laughs> um, okay, so under 44 and a half, Duke, Virginia. Tom, back to you. Uh, my next lock. Me, Michigan at Michigan State under forty one and a half. Uh, that's that's what this game is, man. Yeah, I know. It's, so... <laughs> it's, it's I mean, honestly, it's I, I if you want to take Michigan State to cover two, that's perfectly fine because that's what Michigan State's done a bunch of in this rivalry for the last ten years. But at the same time, kind of like what we saw last week with with Michigan and Wisconsin. Not sure we should treat this year's Michigan team the same way we've treated it as the last most of recently, but I really like the under here. I know that it's very low, but these numbers that tend to get this low are that low for a reason, and most people are scared to bet the under when they're this low, and they tend to win more often than not. But it's just the fact that these two teams are very similar in that they – our, their strength on offense is to run the ball, at least for Michigan State, is to try to run the ball. They haven't been as successful as it is they want to be. Michigan has. Defensively, Michigan is clearly elite. Michigan State's defense isn't what it used to be, but it's still good enough where if you run at it, it can slow you down effectively enough. And then you combine all that with the fact that, folks, we've got some... Oh! What? We've got some 15 to 18 mile an hour winds for East Lansing in the forecast. It's going to be 45 degrees and breezy. And that's going to affect the passing attacks. And it's not true crosswinds because the the current forecast has the wind going all over the place throughout the game. They're going to be swirling, folks. We've got 15 mile an hour swirling winds at Spartan Stadium. It's going to be hard to move the ball through the air. Most teams aren't both teams aren't really going to even want to try. Under 41 and a half, lock it up. Wow. I thought about going, I thought in my hunt for overs, I thought about taking uh, over on this number just because (laughs) I know, I know. I, 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 I corrected myself, but I mean, like Michigan State is a little bit of this. I mean, they can't run the football, they just sort of chuck it up. I mean, they and they'll, they'll maybe get a a gimmick play here and there. They throw it up to Felton Davis, hope for the best. You know, Michigan's defense is kind of the only way you can move the ball on them is to do that. It's just sort of throw it up there and, and, and hope, you know, your, your receiver can make a play a la Notre Dame first half. Uh, and, and, you know, so I, and I, but I, but you're right. This game is just sort of, this is the way it normally goes. And so I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll side with you on that one. And the way like the way Michigan State's offense has worked is they want to be able to run the ball, and they just haven't been able to run the ball. 
And I, the reason I'm not comfortable taking Michigan State to cover despite the recent histories, I feel like this could be a game that Michigan wins 27 to 10. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I feel like Michigan State could really struggle to score points in this game. But its defense is so good against the run that it's going to be at least able to keep Michigan from, you know, blowing it out too badly. But I just I, this I feel like this the under is the safe either way, no matter what the final outcome is, whether it's closer, it's a Michigan blowout. That's right. That kind of report that you get from Tom Fernelli, that's the kind of thinking, that's the kind of research that makes him an expert handicapper. An expert handicapper for Sportsline. That's right, because Tom, who, by the way, is on... What kind of run are you on, Tom? I am currently up seven units in college football, and I'm up two units now in NBA as I'm 2-0 and on the season. <laughs> He's undefeated on the season in NBA. That's right. Tom Fernelli doesn't just give you college football picks. If you subscribe on Sportsline, and you can do this, by the way, use promo code KICKOFF and get your first month of Sportsline for just $1. You can get his MLB picks. You can get his NBA picks. You can get his college football picks. He is making you money. He crushed the MLB to the tune of plus $14.50 this season. And beyond Tom Fernelli, I mean, Sportsline members get access to 20 expert handicappers premium picks next-level fantasy advice, advanced computer simulations, hugely profitable daily fantasy lineups, and the ability to enter members-only contests. So when you sign up for Sportsline, enter promo code KICKOFF, and you can get your first month of Sportsline for just $1. 2-0 on NBA. That's right. 3-0 on actual bets, but 2-0 on my Sportsline picks. What'd you, uh, what'd you put in last night? Or this so far? Uh, well, on opening night, I just took the... Uh, I faded the ring ceremony <laughs> yeah. in the Warriors game. Principal! And, yeah, and that worked. And then last night, I took the under on Miami-Orlando. That hit. And I took the under on Detroit and Brooklyn, and that hit. NBA unders. I've sweated out too many of those with you for, me, for my body to be ready for it yet. Uh, overtime is just... I feel like overtime is the killer of 80% of my unders. Yeah. It's always right around the corner too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go back to Barton. Uh, um, all right. Uh, I think it's time. I think it is. I think it is time to break out my Scott Frost uh, weekly play. <laughs> uh, I'm going Nebraska minus Three and a half. Uh, so, uh, this is pretty simple logic here, you know. Yeah, a winless Nebraska team is, is favored by more than a field goal. You take it, right? Nebraska is zero and six, and they they really should be. You know, there there is a reasonable case to make that they should be three and three. This is not a team that is bad enough to be zero and seven. This isn't a team that was bad enough to be zero and six. At some point, this thing turns. Even last week, we got a cover despite a loss. Uh, this has been a coaching staff that has made us, all you folks out there, if you've listened to my picks over the last two seasons, has made us a lot of money. I think they've lost us one pick. That was like week two this year. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride them this week against a Minnesota team coming to their place. At some point, this thing ends. 
and it ends this week. They win by 10 or 12 points. Uh, just, you know, no, no more analysis necessary. No numbers. Just trust the process, as Tom Fernelli likes to say. <laughs> Bet on Nebraska and get your win. I am firmly on the record in the bottom 25 this week saying that Nebraska is going to win three of its next four games. And I think that oh. starts this week. But I prefer the under because, and this isn't a lock, but there's going to be between 15 and 17 mile an hour winds during this game. Woo! Woo! It's it's a windy Saturday, folks. There's wind all over the place. It's a rainy Saturday, too. Yeah, but wind, not rain. Wind. wind. You could... You, you just like Friday night. Are you just not even like going to be able to sleep just thinking about all the wind that's blowing around <laughs> oh, the world? It's, it's going to be a profitable Saturday. <laughs> thanks to the wind. Uh, up, just like, like click and refresh on the weather channel. Just mm-hmm. more, more wind. I that's love right. It. Uh, Tom, back to you. Uh, for my next pick, I am going with USC plus seven at Utah. Ooh. Uh, that's that line stinks. Stinks. How is USC a <laughs> touchdown dog against Utah? I don't know. We said the same thing how about are, it yeah, stinking how are they a last week favorite against Colorado. Well, they should have been a touchdown favorite against Colorado. I think they should be a touchdown favorite against uh, touchdown dog against Utah. Go ahead. I, I'm not. I'm. This isn't a lock fight, but I. I. I'm on the other side of this in my in my lean. But go ahead. It's not. I mean, Utah's good. It's. I'm not trying to say that. It's. It's been a good team. It's one of the better teams in the South. It's just. Even if it should be favored at home against USC, it should be a three point favorite or a four point favorite, not a seven point favorite. So, I just look at this USC team that got off to a horrible start to the season. Looked really bad and inept against Stanford looked bad the next week against Texas on the road. But the last three weeks, as should be expected with a team with a very young quarterback, this offense has started to improve. The defense has gotten better, although losing Porter Gustin hurts, and that, that kind of concerns me going into this game. It's just I feel like right now the USC team that we're going to see on Saturday is a much better USC team than the one we saw in the first couple weeks of the season. And even if they don't go into Salt Lake City and pull off this win, they're going to hang within a touchdown. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be, you know, probably a lower scoring game, too. So I'm going to take that touchdown. I just think that this is this is madness. Put it that way. <laughs> they, yeah, I, I, they should not be a seven point dog at Utah. I mean, the. Isn't there a little bit of a – I mean, I'll say this. I look at the numbers. It appears more of the public is on Utah, which is surprising to me. Um, but I saw this number and, like, A, USC sucks running the football. Like, they suck at running the football. It's it's sort of incredible. As, as much talent as they have in the backfield, they can't run the football. And Utah, I believe – I'm pulling it up as we speak here – uh, yeah, they're number two in the country in rush defense in terms of yards allowed per game. And I, I think, you know, this is a, an environment at night that is one of the best in the Pac-12. And the must. USC, you know, I, I just I just think, um, I don't know. I just, I would be very scared to take USC here. I, I agree that, like, I, you would expect the line to be more at three or four here, but 
I, I would just be scared to take USC against a Utah team that appears to be sort of hitting its stride right now. From the Muss to the Palouse, Any, anybody else got Oregon Wazoo picks? Just me? I, I do not. I have one, but it's for my column, and it's not a lock. Okay. I'm locking up under 68. I can dig it. Yeah. Um, let's see. By the way, I wanted to look this up. 2014, 24, 21, Utah, 2015, 42, 24, USC, 2016, 31, 27, Utah, 2017, 28, 27, USC. Dagum. Kyle Whittingham. Ain't scared of nobody. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's my thinking here. Um, number one, I wonder if um, we are getting number one. Obviously, the the just the the general public perception. It is an over under that is, I believe, moving up. Like opened around sixty six. Now it's up to sixty eight. If you are thinking about playing this and you think it could hit up there into a nice sixty nine or a key number of seventy. Certainly wait till closer to kickoff to see if we can get that. Uh, weather is not does not look like it's going to appear to be a major factor unless you've got uh, wind information for me, Tom. But I just I think that this uh, Mike Leach has won three games in a row against this Oregon team. And I think that this uh, I think that this is going to be the kind of game that gets decided. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I think Washington State probably wins the game, but I am not ready to believe that both teams are going to hit 35. This just feels like one of those uh, 28-27 or 31-27 kind of games, especially after we just had uh, another back and forth. Like if Oregon, There's a chance Oregon runs out of steam. I just I don't see another um, I don't see this total being able to get to seventy five or so one week after Oregon's had the, any kind of body blow theory that you want to throw in for Washington. I just don't see it being that kind of game. Yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't I don't have really an opinion on that uh, total. So, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll ride your, with you on that one. What's your opinion on the game? My opinion on the game, unfortunately, is I'm I'm very nervous about my my baby my my Oregon baby your baby duck uh, my my baby duck <laughs> heading, heading heading to uh, to Pullman and getting out of there alive. Uh, my I I, I want I, as as we said and I'm I'm rooting for Oregon and yet this feels very dangerous. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game because Oregon offensively is better passing than running. Washington State defensively is better against the pass than the run. Washington State offensively is better passing than running. Oregon's better against the pass defense than run defense. So it's like their strengths are playing into the other team's strengths. So it's it's going to be an interesting game. For my pick in the six pack, though, I took Oregon just to cover the three, just because I'm. As we talked about last week, when I took Oregon at Washington, if if I'm taking the Ducks to to cover against Washington as three and a half point dogs at home, I'm going to take them as three point dogs on the road against Washington State. Just the theory that what Washington's better than Washington State. Yeah, mm. I mean, and Washington State's a good team, but it's 
if you look at its wins, clearly, you know, the win over Utah is good, 4-2. And, and the win over Eastern Washington's an FCS win, but Eastern Washington's a 5-2 and two FCS team. It's just Wyoming, San Jose State, and Oregon State are combined 3-16. and 16. They kind of so, had, but they had USC. They that, did, but they didn't beat them. They didn't beat them. But so, I'm, I am nervous uh, for our baby duck that this is a – that this is a pretty good Washington State team. Oh yeah, I think it's a pretty good one too. It's just I think Oregon's pretty good as well. Yeah, and I think that Washington State is bad enough stopping the run on defense that even though Oregon's just kind of been middle of the roadish with its rushing attack, I think that this could be the week that Oregon finally finds more success running the ball, which will open things up for them in the passing game. I'd love it as long as it goes under sixty-eight. All right, Tom, <laughs> back to you. Uh, my next lock, I am taking the Houston Navy under 60 and a half. Let's go. Service Academy unders. <laughs> it's not, no, no, that's part of it. But it's also the fact that um, Houston doesn't run the ball as often as Navy does, clearly, because nobody does. Houston's pretty balanced in offense. It's like a 53-47 split between the run and pass. But they're very efficient at running the ball and they're averaging six yards a carry on the ground and 238.4 yards per game. So when I look at that and I combine it with a Navy offense, that's going to be as always churning clock. Although I don't think it's going to have a ton of success going against Ed Oliver and company. I just think that 60 and a half is too high and too, too what's the word? I'm, just, just too high. Put it that it's 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 a little too optimistic for for the Navy offense. I think in this matchup because I I don't think Houston's going to have to run up the score too much. I think this is the kind of game Houston's going to end up winning like thirty eight to fourteen. So that gives me plenty of room, wiggle room left under that sixty and a half total. So I I just really like the under there because I think this is going to be a limited possession clock moves quite a bit kind of game. I like it. Sounds good to me. Is is Houston going to win that division? Is that where we're at right now? That was my preseason pick. I'm feeling good about it. I think they I think they they win the division and I think they go ahead and they and uh beat UCF in the conference championship game. I mean, if you look who who's their competition? Memphis is already 1 and 3 in conference. I know. There's, it's is it SMU? Is it Tulane? No, Navy's no. One and two. So if if Houston beats Navy this week, it's pretty much got it wrapped up for the most part. And I don't even think that Houston team is like great. No, no, it's not. But it's it's the best team in that division. Mm. Uh, all right, Barton, back to you. Uh, all right, uh, I got. So you you come here. For the expert analysis, um, and sometimes the expert analysis is all about feedback and gathering feedback. And I talked to my dentist this week, and my dentist really likes Auburn laying <laughs> points against Ole Miss. So do and I. But go on. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my dentist has got me on board with that one. Uh, <laughs> my dentist isn't just any old dentist. He's a buddy, a, a good friend of mine from high school. We played football together. He went to Ole Miss. He's five and one this year on Ole Miss picks, and I think he's on the right side of this one again. At the what? more I've thought about this one, uh, 
the more I, th- I the more I think that this is a this is a layup. Uh, an Ole Miss team that can't stop anybody. An offense that is trying to get right for Auburn. An Ole Miss defense that has laid down against the two good defenses, or Ole Miss offense has laid down against the two good defenses they played. And a Auburn defense that is very good. Um, my dentist pick of the week is Auburn minus three and a half. Lock it up. I agree with your dentist. This was almost a lock for me, too. It's just I wish you wouldn't have qualified him and just kept referring to him as your dentist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm locking it up with your dentist, too. Uh, nice. I think it's a big time. Like, this is this almost falls into the ba- the buy on bad news theory, you know, where right. it, if everyone's going to spend the week trashing Gus Malzahn and this offense – all of a sudden, now here comes an Ole Miss defense that he's put 40 on each of the last two seasons. Like, yeah, I think – I feel like Gus Malzahn has got a good play sheet and the, we are going to see uh, – we're going to see Auburn win this game probably by about 10 points. So three and a half, let's go. Let's lock you it up. You know what? I said it was almost a lock. Screw it. Let's go lock unity. Throw it on there. Oh, yeah. It was one of my last cuts off the card, but if you guys are both on it, I'm going to jump on it. Let's go. Well, and, the, and, the den- and, and the dentist is on it. And the dentist. <laughs> Four out of five dentists agree that Auburn is the play. <laughs> oh, it's too bad. that Was that your like one checkup every six months? Uh, the den- the dentist gives me unsolicited feedback all the time. Okay, so, we need we need know, we, we might we need to go back, back in with the dentist regularly yeah. if needed. <laughs> if if we get the lock unity that hits on uh, on Auburn, then I think that uh, Martin's dentist is about to get uh, a spot here on the Locks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh man! All right, nice, good energy coming out of that. Um, I will throw on the fire. Ooh, this might be my last one. Yeah, I think this is. Gonna gonna round it out at six. And the last one, as I was I I said this out loud to myself in uh, a hotel room in Baton Rouge, so therefore it was spit into the universe, and I have to follow through on it cosmically. As I watched USF and Tulsa, I said, boy, I said without checking. I am fading USF next week. And now that means that I'm saddled up with UConn. UConn Whoa. plus 34. Yeah. I mean, I this is – I don't know what I feel about this, Chip, but lock agreement. Like, oh. we're, I don't know what's going on. There, there is like for – for a competitive atmosphere, we have a lot of uh, group think going on right now. Um, as disgusting and dirty as it feels to be playing UConn, a team that is one and six against the spread this year, uh, I am in agreement. I I I will fade USF every chance I get. Look ahead spot here. They got what Houston coming up. They this UConn UConn scores a couple touchdowns. Good to go. So yes. Lock me up, UConn plus thirty-four. Let's go. Too many and listen and uh, 
UConn's also gotten a bunch of trash. Talked about their defense this week. Let's let's see let's see Randy Edsel get them ready. Jeez, man, we got four. We have four picks aligned this week, Chip. Is that that's, right? That's not good. Yikes. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll just about this. maybe we'll just take next week off, not talk to each other, and then come back and see what happens. I know. Are we turning into one person? No, definitely not. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. So who's still? I'm out. Who's still got stuff left? I got two. Okay. I got one. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, okay. Well, I almost took Illinois plus 25. Instead, I'm going to take Illinois at Wisconsin under 57 and a half. Uh, both of these teams like to run the ball. Neither of these teams can pass the ball very well. And I feel like this is kind of like a service academy game, but, you know, with two Big Ten teams. And this total is just a little too high, although with Illinois' run defense, it's it's certainly possible. But I also think that will hinder the passing attacks of both teams. Is you ready for this, fellas? 20 to 22 mile an hour wins Ooh. in Madison on Saturday. Ooh. So even what? if these teams want to throw the ball, they're not going to really be able to. So this is going to be <laughs> a limited possession clock never stops kind of game and with a total at 57 and a half i think there's a lot of room for the under here this could be like a 42 to 10 wisconsin win and I, you know you're still very comfortably under mm. still sound yeah i mean that's that illinois unders i think i've seen those pop up on the card before you've 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 got a good feel for that solid Not run this defense year, but oh, okay. yeah I've, I've had them in the past all right um. All right, Barton. What's your last one? Uh, my last one is one that probably I'll regret. Um, but I'm gonna play Kentucky Kroger Field at night with Vanderbilt coming to town minus eleven. Um, you know this is uh this is one where just. You know, at the beginning of the week, and I even said it, Chip, when we talked on your radio show on Monday, like initial lines come out that looked like too many points, Vanderbilt. But this is speaks to kind of my level of respect for the grocery store, yeah. Kroger. Uh, at night, nonetheless, I feel like they will be, you know, energized and and ready to play, and. When I look at Vanderbilt, and I look at that Florida game, really. I mean, that was sort of a big tell for me is, A, you know, they came away. They got to leave that game a little beaten up, a little downtrodden, frankly, missing opportunity. And also the way Florida beat them was just to just to smash them. And defensively, Vanderbilt's not very good at the things Kentucky's really good at. And I think Kentucky will be able to – incorporate their game plan and and that defense is is really good and they're coming off a bye week and I just think that this is that talented of a Kentucky team and I think that if this game was wasn't at home at night I might stay away from it but at home at night I like Kentucky to cover it so I'll lay the points mm, that is confidence that's that is that is uh that has got to be one of 
like that. And I'm saying this from, I think it will happen, but that has got to be one of Vanderbilt's better efforts. If they're not going to just pack up the season. Right. You're saying this week has to be one of their better efforts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I feel like and part of me feels like, look, they, they sort of, that was, that was their opportunity last week to really turn the season around, catch Florida slipping, you know, and they had let it down too. spot yeah. at home in the morning. They had them down 21 to three. And then Todd Grantham rallied the troops and started chanting nerds on the sideline. And, uh, uh the rest is history. And I feel like that might've been a bit of a, a bit of a turning point of this season. I, I, the, the irony is I think Vanderbilt's pretty good offensively, but I, 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 I this is another chance here to, to I think a little referendum spot here for Kentucky. Um, I think that they're they're really good. I think they're talented. I think that they've got the pieces. I think they they're built in a way that can take care of business against Vandy. All right, Tom, bring us home. Uh, my final lock of the week sticks with a particular theme and conference. Maryland at Iowa under 46. It's a uh, little did you, <clears throat> some people might not realize Iowa can't run the ball this year. It's been a passing attack. And Maryland is a team that, you know, it's offensively it's it's been okay running the ball. It's it's been explosive running the ball, but it's efficiency wise it's kind of middle of the pack. Oh, it's boomer bust, baby. It's all boomer yeah, bust. Yeah. Passing wise, it's been awful, which so those two things match up. But then I tell you about the 20 to 25 mile an hour winds <laughs> in Iowa City <laughs> on Saturday. So Iowa had trouble running the ball and is a passing team. It's going to be 25 mile an hour winds. Maryland's rushing attack is boomer bust. And passing wise, it's kind of bad. And there's going to be 20 to 25 mile an hour winds. This all tells me that there's not going to be a lot of points scored between Maryland and Iowa on Saturday in the early in the early morning or late morning, early afternoon hours in a cloudy, gray, windy Iowa City. I saw this line open at 13 and take a nosedive under 10. Yeah. I was tempted to take Maryland here. Yeah. yeah see, that was one of my locks. That was one thing I was considering. It, when it was still, if you could find Maryland plus 10 or more, I would go with Maryland. But it, with nine and a half, I feel like the value that was on that line got bet down quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did the total go down too? Uh, the total, for the most part, has stayed pretty steady. It was started, well, actually, no, it's gone down quite a bit too. Yeah. Depending on where you got it. Some places it opened at like 48, but a couple places it opened at 51. That was, yeah. The, when when you see like the 51, 13 and a half come flying down to mid 40s, nine and a half, it's like, oh, well, missed my opportunity. I like mm-hmm. your underplay though. 25 miles an hour. Yeah. I, it's I, a uh, windy Saturday, kids. I apologize for the, uh, for the folks looking for the weekly over. It just, overs don't exist anymore they're dead (laughs) (laughs) i looked i can't i just can't do it boise state boise state ruined my faith in the overs last week and uh i'm sorry it's an under week for you folks we've got it you're stuck you're stuck with the the, with the wonders from pernelli (laughs) um we've done our job tom We've crushed yeah, his belief in it. We broke his spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To review, Tom's card. 
Memphis plus 10, Mississippi State plus 6.5, the under 41 in Michigan, Michigan State, USC plus 7, under 60.5 for Houston and Navy, Auburn minus 3.5, under 57.5 for Illinois, Wisconsin, and under 46 for Maryland, Iowa. Barton's card, NC State plus 18, Purdue plus 13, Arizona State plus two and a half. If you're listening to that right now, then you've probably got like an hour left. So go and get it. Uh, Nebraska minus three and a half. Auburn minus three and a half. UConn plus 34. And Kentucky minus 11. Chips card. NC State plus 18. Purdue plus 13. Under 44 and a half in Duke, Virginia. Under 68 in Washington State, Oregon. Auburn minus three and a half. And UConn plus 34. Winners. All right, Barton, our, our boats are hitched together. Let's hope we end up at port and not out to sea. Good mojo. Good mojo. Good, good vibes to you, Chip. Yeah. We got a, we got a lock. We got two straight weeks of lock unity. Last week, lock unity brought us an 18 and five week and, and our first undefeated eight game week. Um, we're we're going to have another good week. Fellas. Love it. Love that energy. All right, Tom, you can follow him. At Tom Fernelli, you can follow Barton at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, thank you to all of our guests uh, from the entire week. This was uh, another awesome week here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you to you, the listeners, uh, those of you who leave our views. We read them and we appreciate them, especially the night one, nice ones. Five-star reviews make us extra happy, and we appreciate that because we're trying to give you five-star content. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We're picking thank you. Up. Our blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover.